In this episode, we will discuss copious warrants and how to avoid going to jail for child support. As you know, as you already know, child support employs what is called their strategies for getting fathers, who they labeled obligors, to take their income through what is called income withholding. And 75% of income withholding comes from a paycheck. They employ certain uh, procedures such as they'll take your federal and state income tax refund. They'll also take your unemployment compensation, any lottery winnings and settlement. They'll even go after your retirement fund and your bank or institution or credit union. That also, you know, surrenders your money. In addition, they'll take your driver's license when you cannot pay. But the one strategy that they claim or the one determined that they use is called arrest for non-payment of child support. And that's where we will go to discuss in this episode. Now, when you're arrested for non-payment of child support, it's called a criminal non-support process. And you can be incarcerated for up to 180 days or six months in jail. And It is a criminal component, even though they claim it's a civil process. It is employed in all 50 states, including uh, District of uh, of Columbia, and it's a state issue. It's a state process, not a federal process. So you're being arrested or put in a jail under state statutes. Now, the states that employ this uh, mechanism, this tool, the most of course, are the top five, Texas, California, New York, Ohio, and Florida. Other states have also implemented as well. But you'll see, in our opinion, the correlation between the arrest and the high collection of income withholding. The executive director for the child support program goes to Congress and then report that incarceration is their last resort for penalty for non-payment of support. That is a lie. It is their first tool that they use in their bag of tricks to take income from fathers. We produced a video call. It's legal for judges, police, clerks, and attorneys to lie to you. After this session, go right ahead and look at that uh, video. Hello, my name is Chris. And in this session, let's explore the copious warrant that is used in the non-payment of child support and determine how you can use that to prevent from going to jail. You can listen to us on your favorite uh, podcast, such as Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. We ask for donation to help us with our research, and we take uh, small amounts from uh, whether it's PayPal or cash up. We ask for $25 gifts, but we will accept any amount. Again, it's to assist us in our research. So let's look at warrants. And there are many cases from the Supreme Court that talks about warrant, but let's start off with one called Spinelli versus United States. That's 1969. Under the Fourth Amendment, which is where warrants uh, are discussed, you need what is called probable cause. And there are two requirements that the support the Supreme Court says. One is that in order for you to get a warrant or an officer to get a warrant, there must be an underlying circumstances that could be presented to an independent judge or magistrate. 
Second, that the information that they received in order to get the warrant must be reliable. So let's look at what we call copious warrants. We just heard about the definition for Let's look at the copious warrants that's used in child support. So here's a sample copy of a copious warrants on the screen. Now, the type of warrants, copious warrants for non-payment is a different warrant from one for DNA. Yes, the child support agency issues a warrant, copious warrant for DNA. We have a video called Get a Warrant for My DNA and Custody. You can review that in understanding that type of warrant. So let's talk about what we call warrantless arrest. A warrantless arrest is when an officer makes an arrest uh, with insufficient information. However, let's go back to the definition of warrants. In order for an officer to get a warrant, it must satisfy certain criteria. One, it must name the person. Two, it must sufficiently identify that person. Now, what happens if an officer is making an arrest with an invalid or an insufficient warrant and for whatever reason that he gets hurt or killed? Well, the Supreme Court says the only thing that that victim can be charged with is manslaughter. Yes, if an officer does not have a valid warrant, then the, the person who in the attempt of the arrest hurts them, the most you can charge them with is manslaughter. And there are many case laws. There's Hale, there's Wilson, there's Burroughs, all discuss that. Let's talk about glass warrants. That's a term used for warrants that only exist on computers. That is, it's in the police car. They'll go back and says, let's check for a warrant. They don't have a physical warrant, but they have one. We believe in our research, the glass warrant description starts off in Alaska versus Theodore Glass. For anyone out there that has a different reference point, but we feel this is where it started, uh, please feel free to send us uh, your questions. So let's talk about the warrants under the Fourth Amendment. The first criteria that warrants are issued by judicial officers. Next, the warrant must be done by an independent person that submits the information to the judicial officer. That person or officer must have what we call probable cause. And next, the judicial officer who receives that information should be an independent person. So what are judicial officers? Well, in many jurisdictions, a judicial officer can be a magistrate, which is someone who is not a judge. And in some areas, such as City of Tampa, or even Texas and New York, that person could be the deputy clerk. Yes, that deputy clerk behind the counter in the clerk's office can sign those warrants. The case law is Katz versus United States, or Johnson versus United States, or Chadwick versus City of Tampa. So let's take a look at warrants versus copious. Okay, the type of warrants. Well, a copious warrant, technically, it's only issued for what is called appearance before the court. But over the years, it has, as I said, gained more um, punishment. So a copious warrant is a bodily attachment. And in a child support world, it's for unpaid child support. 
and this satisfies the Fourth Amendment. Now, the issuance of a, of a warrant is not necessarily automatic, but in some jurisdictions, such as Texas, yes, I like to pick on Texas, the, dep the district clerk can issue the pious warrant. In other words, they can sign that warrant. They're considered judicial officers. You see how that works, and we'll talk more about that later. Next, a copious warrant, when it first started off as, it was not a criminal warrant. But again, through the years, they have progressed it uh, to make it a criminal arrest. And the case law is West versus Cable, uh, 1984. The one thing for your first remedy, when you are issued a copious warrant on a non-penal child support, is immediately ask for a trial by jury. Yes, this is one of the remedies that you use in order to prevent from going to jail is trial by jury. So let's look at contempt, which is for non-payment. And again, it's usually less than six months or 180 days. Well, in the case law, Bloom versus Illinois, it is our opinion and our research that every case for non-payment of child support you should ask for a war ask for trial by jury now there are many areas in which the judges will say this is a civil matter and therefore you're not allowed for a jury trial in our research no you can't ask for it because they qualify under the statute so next can a deputy clerk or court uh, or magistrate can issue a warrant. Remember, the Fourth Amendment says it can be done by a judicial officer, which most of the time it is a judge. Well, in some jurisdiction, the magistrate or the deputy clerk. And the case law is Townsend versus State, 1968, Texas. And the Texas Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, also lists that deputy clerk can issue warrants. So we decided to look further into how is it that certain jurisdictions was able to move away from what we call judicial strategy of getting a warrant to now having your regular clerk. Well, we looked at Section 28 U.S. Code, Section 631, and it calls the appointment of magistrates. So the judges of the district court as well as a magistrate of those districts court, they elect what is called judicial officers. And those judicial officers can serve for up to eight years or up to four years part-time. So this is the, the, the criteria for a magistrate who is not a judge, who is an attorney, who is then classified as a judicial officer. Now, here's where the conflict comes in. We've done many videos on that says the child support agency is paying the clerks, which includes the deputy clerk. Well, that's a conflict of interest if a deputy clerk issues a warrant or signs a warrant. Because why? They have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure. Well, this is where we talked about that the copious warrant, which is similar to an arrest warrant, whether it's a magistrate or a deputy clerk, in some jurisdiction, it doesn't matter. And for you, it's important that you understand which territory you're in, because sometimes that warrant is issued by the deputy clerk, 
who's considered a judicial officer instead of a judge. So let's focus in on Texas Supremacy Clause. Now, we looked at Texas a lot to find out how did Texas was able to transition that a judicial officer who's not a judge, who's an attorney that's elected for eight years, can issue warrants. And we found the case law. It's called Towson versus State, 1968. And in that ruling, what they did was they were able to put within the legislators that deputy clerks can issue warrants, a copious warrant. Now, remember, a copious warrant prior to 1968 was just an arrest for you to come to court. In the child support area, they've now used it as a criminal tool to incarcerate you for 180 days. Now, the, the interesting thing about the, the Texas uh, Supreme Court uh, legislators that they must abide by the supremacy clause and they do in the Towson case it says if there's a discrepancy between the constitution of the united states and the constitution of texas the constitution always wins which is a supremacy clause so here's the question what's another solution you could use to prevent from going to jail for non-payment of child support. We talked about request a jury trial because a copious warrant meets the standards of a, of a regular warrant under the Fourth Amendment. There's a case law called Lang versus California, and we'll talk more about that, about what are some of the other remedies that you could use to prevent from going to jail for child support, non-payment child support. We also will con continue this discussion on our master class, which is our on online course area, where we'll add and we'll talk more about preventing from being arrested. As always, the defense against the, the officers of child support is how to defeat the motion. And I said, we will continue that discussions. And all we're asking for is for everyone to subscribe to our channel. Yes, this is a shameless plug, but we're asking to subscribe to our channel and we will discuss how to defeat a 12B6. So this brings us to the end of how to avoid going to jail with a copious warrant. Thank you.